Welcome everybody. It's Shalane and we are going to talk about functional fitness today. So today we have to know how to get up so that we can get down. And we'll talk about that later. But we're going to, um, we all know about how to get up and get down off the floor, chairs, get in bed. We do this every day. We get in and out of cars, uh, out of your tub and your showers, we pick things up, we put them down, we stand, we walk. But as we age, it gets harder to do them safely. So how about learning to do them properly and a little safer so that we can do them a little bit longer? Yeah, what do you guys think? All right, cool. So uh, we are today gonna cover ADLs. We're going to cover the seven basic motions. We're going to cover joints, ranges of motion, uh, muscle memory, and then best practices. So as you guys know, if you're on with me, hi, Dave, you are going to get the, um, the talking notes. So don't worry about that. Uh, you don't have to take so many notes. All right. Activities of daily living. Oops. It is we things that we need for daily living. So it could be something very basic, like knowing how how to keep yourself uh, walking, mobile, being able to eat, brush your teeth, go to the bathroom by yourself, um, all those kind of things. But it can also be um, instrumental. So beyond the basic ones are the ones that will make your life better, like being able to cook and prepare food for yourself, keep doing light housekeeping, remember to take your medications, um, making phone calls, doing laundry, going shopping, getting in and out of your car and, uh, you know, doing trips. So what do you think is the probability of having being impaired not being able to do at least two of the two of the activities of daily living by the age of 65 all right i'm going to give you guys the poll go ahead do you guys see your poll feel free to you can move it around i got two i got three i got four five six Everybody's good? So this is your results. People think it is B. Guess what? It is D. 68% of people by the age of 65 have impairment for activities of daily living. Isn't that crazy? That was like such a shocking thing to me. So it's a combination of all of those, 42, 18, 5, and 3. So that's why we need to really keep on top of our flexibility and our mobility so that we can do things longer and not be part of the 68%. Okay. There was an article that says in October um, 2019 
that's at 1.4 1 to 5, 1.5 million people lived in nursing homes and they all needed assistance. So they typically needed assistance with one or more ADL and of them, 81% needed assistance with medication, um, but a lot of them needed help with getting up and going to the bathroom or getting dressed. And those are things that would cause people to go into nursing homes. So those are really big ones that we need to work on. Uh, risk of falling is another big one that people have mobility issues so that then they can't uh, be safe at home. So things that we want to do is to keep ourselves safe and to also be able to stay in our homes longer. So things that we typically do on a day-to-day -day are like things like pick up heavy bags of groceries, and in my case, get Amazon <laughs> box off the floor. You want to get in and out of your car, your bed, your chair, your toilet. You want to dodge unmasked people in the store and, you know, go to the side, dip around, walking up and down stairs, putting something away on the top shelf, um, pushing a heavy door or a lawnmower, um, getting down onto the ground like Dora wanted to uh, figure out and getting back up, um, getting showered, getting dressed, dance like nobody's watching, um, you know, play with your dog, go for a walk, run. All of these things are things that we do typically every day. Some less common actions are things like catching your dog from running out the door. So it's like startling kind of things where you have to react, right? Jumping over a puddle of water, stepping over your dog that's sleeping, or uh, a low fence that you know was unexpected. Catching yourself when you're slipping or falling. Digging in the garden or shoveling snow, something a little more strenuous. Lifting heavy luggage or putting it in the overhead uh, compartment. Not like we're traveling, but you know. Um, training hard at the gym. Uh, we could be doing things like um, playing sports. That could be something that's not as common, but we could play golf, tennis, ski, bike, run, those type of things. And all of those things are functional movements where if we had increased strength, flexibility, and balance, that will mean the difference between possibly being in pain and injured or being able to do that activity longer. Yeah? Okay. All right. So I want to hear from you. What are other functional activities that you guys are doing day in and day out? Common, uncommon? Tell me. Picking something up off the floor. Yep, that's something that we do all the time, right? What else? What other things do you guys do often? Driving, getting in and out of the car. Yep, good. Carrying groceries. Carrying groceries, picking up grandkids, picking up your dog, right? Making picking up that. bed, doing laundry. Yeah. Zumba with Shalane. Yeah. Uh, yay, Dave Dickey! <laughs> Anybody else? Anybody else? Joe Dara? What you guys got? All right. Okay, so of all of those things that we mentioned, 
it breaks down into seven basic movement patterns. Now this guy, Paul Check, he's a very well-known expert in the field of corrective and integrative kinesiology, stress management, and he really focuses on integrative holistic wellness. So he talks about trying to fix your entire body and not just one thing. Um, I actually met and heard from him talking at a fitness conference in New York City and he was very instrumental to me in changing the way I thought about breathing and dealing with pain and injuries. So um, in the late 1990s, he came up with this seven primal movement pattern. So he, he came up with this and it was based on infant development and things that were innate and intrinsic to human movement and survival. So they include things like the upper body pushing and pulling, uh, the lower body uh, squatting, lunging, bending or hinging forward, twisting, and also uh, gait, which is like your stepping, running, biking, right? Um, he also talks about, he has two videos about this in, um, in, on YouTube, and, and he talks about a lot of things such as training too heavy and teaching yourself to, your brain to slow down. So if there's like a combination of your brain and muscle and your whole body, right? So you have to use multi-planes and also you have to use non-isolated movements. So it's like weight machines for them are not good for functional movement because normally if you're functioning day to day, you're not supported and braced to do one thing like lift things up. So you want to be able to lift things up with your waist and your abs and your core. Whereas if you're on a, a machine that's fixing just one muscle and making you just move this one muscle, it's teaching your body to kind of be lazy for the rest of your body, you know, and to just work this one muscle. So it's not necessarily good. So he actually has a, a, a two videos about this. The other thing he has that's kind of interesting was talking about support. He really is big on having aids for movement. So if you have any sort of dysfunction, which most people do, it's okay to use some sort of things to help you get it, get yourself back into motion and back into proper motion. Okay. Dave, you are being... Wait one second. What happened here? Are you guys all seeing me? Yes. Or were you guys seeing Dave? Sorry. Yes? You guys all saw me okay, right? Okay. Just double checking. Just one second. Okay. All right. So uh, a way to screen movements is this um, FMS, which is Functional Movement Screen. And it was created by this physical therapist named Gray Cook. And it is a tool that a lot of um, sports teams and 
places use to figure out the risk of injuries for their players. So it's something that's cheap, it's easy to do, it's non-invasive. Um, so it tests these seven different mobilities. You have your squat, can you see this squat, your hurdle step, inline loud shoulder mobility, rotary, rotary, rotary stability, active straight leg raise, and then trunk stability or push-up. So um, he had different criteria and basically these studies, this one study that I'm showing right here is from October of 2019. And that one was done in Korea and it, it basically um, said that um, soccer players who have high FMS, higher mobility, are more proficient at being good players and less likely for injuries. All right. Let's see. Okay. Now, we're talking about joints. And not those kind of joints. We're talking about these kinds of joints. We talked about joints last week very, very briefly, right? Um, it is so crucial to our whole body and keeping ourselves safe because our joints is what cause is where we can move. So if we don't take care of our joints, then we will come into issues further down the line. The joints are things that hold your body together and we're held together in a couple different ways. We talked about this last week as well, right? So we talk about ligaments, which is bone to bone. We talk about tendons, which is bone to muscle. So ligaments hold things in place because it's two inactive things, whereas the muscle to bone with the tendon is what causes that joint to move. All right, so joints go in different motions. Let's all do this. All right, everybody sit up straight, put your feet flat on the floor, squeeze your shoulders up, push them down, bring them to the back, and then bring them to the front, lift them up, lift them down, and then rotate them, and then rotate them forward. Good. Now what are some other joints? Tell me. You got your elbow. Good, Dara. Yep, what else? Shoulders, we did shoulders. What else? Knees. <laughs> Dave, you got fingers. You got wrists, right? So you got hands, right? Your wrists and your hands. Fingers, tips. So, yes, your waist, your hips, all of your fingers, right? Now, if you notice, your elbow only goes in one direction. It only goes up and down right? Your knees only go in one direction, right? Your shoulders go in multi-directions, your hips go in multi-directions, your fingers only go in one direction, right? Wrists go in multi-directions, head multi-directions, right? Okay, so we have different planes of move, motion, 
and this is how we move. They only uh, occur in three planes. The first plane is forward and back. So any sort of motions that go this way, that way, or up and down are your sagittal planes. Your, the frontal plane is not your front, it's actually to the side. It's called lateral movement. So anything to the sides, stepping to the sides, up and down, legs up and down, to the sides, yes. Thank you for demonstrating. I love it, Dara. Okay, thank you, Bev. I love it, love it, love it, love it. Now transverse is, if you can see, this guy is cut in half at the waist, and it is the twisting motions. So it's the bending forward, uh, twisting, twisting, yes. Now bending forward is actually in what plane? The first one, it's in the sagittal, it's in the forward back plane. So basically you wanna imagine yourself cut, if it's in the sagittal plane, in half with the plane of glass. And how do you clean that plane of glass? Any sort of motions to clean that glass forwards and backwards, if you're cut in half, that is the sagittal plane. Now, if you are cut from ear to ear, from the top of your head through to your bottom of your teeth, um, feet straight across, like this right here, this blue one, and you're gonna clean the glass, jumping jacks, go to the side, all of those things happen in the lateral or frontal plane. And then finally, if you are cut in half at the waist and you have to clean the glass around you, right? Those are all in your transverse planes. Yes. So if you're cleaning that glass, you're twisting at your waist. Now, why is this important? Not all joints work in all planes of motion. So, if you have a, uh, your elbow, it only does flexing and extending. It only works in that motion. So guess what? It only works in the forward and back plane. So why do I always yell at you guys to keep your knees over your toes and keep your knees straight? It's because your knees only work in a forward and back motion. So it doesn't work in a twisty motion. So if you put it in a twisty motion, you're getting those bones out of alignment and pulling on your ligaments and your tendons. Does that make sense? So now when I, so I'm, I'm a master instructor for the Athletics and Fitness Association of America, and I, I go give um, talks at conferences, and I train other uh, group exercise instructors, and this is one of the things I stress all the time because a lot of people learn about this, but they don't realize what it means for physical education, like to teaching groups of people exercise. So it's for keeping people safe. So um, anyway, I can tell you, a lot about joints. I actually put all these like probably 10 slides about joints and then I had to cut them all out because I was like, there's no time, there's no time, it's too much. <laughs> so we, we have to move on. Now we're gonna talk about flexibility. Planes of motion, the next thing with your um, planes of motion is your range of motion. So the normal range of motion is how flexible you are. And people who 
stretch a lot, like gymnasts and dancers and stuff like that, they go past the typical range of motion that most of us have, right? So what does that mean? For your, for your knees, you can raise them up and it can go down. This is, this is the number of degrees, 140, right? Your leg can only go back a certain amount of degrees. It can only go to the side a certain amount of degrees. It can only go, you know, forward. So what we have to talk about is the angles. These angles are what tells you um, how much flexibility you have. So range of motion is very important because at the ends of the motion, at the ends of the motion, at these ends of motions, that is where your control is compromised. So the beginning and the end are often unbalanced. So we need to control the movements and learn to know when to stop and how to slow and ease into a stop and, and go into a start because it's vital for our posture and alignment and keeping us safe and stabilizing our core. So a lot of times people do things like swinging their legs or swinging their arms when they're doing weights. And do you think that's good? So swinging might be good for increasing range of motion and teaching your body to have a little extra motion. But if we are exercising and it's weight bearing and we're holding weights, it actually is detrimental because you want to learn to be deliberate because you can get more muscle control and more, more um, efficiency. So let's say you go like this and just swing your arms up and down. Keep your elbows right in front and just don't hit yourself in your face like me. <laughs> Good. Now be deliberate, extend and be deliberate, slow and contract. Do you feel the difference, right? You feel those muscles working because you're forcing the bicep to flex, your tricep to extend, and then when it goes down, you're forcing your bicep to extend and your tricep to contract. So those are your muscle pairs. So when we're doing exercises, we always focus on one exercise, the primary muscle, and then when we switch, we go to the secondary muscle, like triceps. Yeah? Okay. So this is designs that we do for group exercise. Those are additional angles that you can look at later on. What I wanted to tell you about the angles and why it's so crucial is because certain things are needed for certain things. For example, if you want to reach above your shoulder height to a shelf, you need 140 to 144 degrees. Yeah. So if you have a shoulder impingement or rotator cuff injury uh, that won't allow you to go up, you can't reach over your head. You can't comb your hair. You need to have 130 to 134 to put your hand behind your head. You want to touch your neck. You want to brush your teeth. All of these things require a certain range of motion for your shoulder. Yeah. So this is why we do things like this. 
when we do the triceps, right? But I can't do this one. Yep. And it, it is very common, Joe, to have one more flexible than the other. So then what happens is when you see that one is less flexible than the other, then you have to stretch that one a little bit more. Right? Like door. Don't do it, door. You have an issue. Just take it easy. Okay, so things like using a telephone, drinking out of a glass, typing on a keyboard, all of these things, you see all of these things require different motions. Um, elbow bending, right? Combing your hair using a cell phone, washing your face, all of these require your elbows to bend a certain degree. Wrists and hands, wiping your butt, eating with a fork, writing, using a telephone, um, opening a jar, all of these require different motions and ranges of motions. Hips, sitting onto your chair, lifting the object off the floor, kneeling, sitting cross-legged, um, squatting, your knees, right? Tying on your shoelace, picking object off the floor. Ankles. The big one for the ankles is this function right here. So it is having your toe go up towards your leg. And it is, we talked about this last week as well, and we'll keep talking about it because it is the um, anterior tibialis, that little muscle in front of your shins, right? Your shin muscle. And that forces your leg to go up. Now, when we're sleeping at night, guess what? If we have really tight covers that wrap yeah. around the bed, Learn. your feet are like pointed all night for eight hours. Well, for us, six and a half hours, right? <laughs> we need yeah. to go to seven. So, all those hours, your feet are forced into that position. And, you know, um, if you have, like, arthritis or anything like that, when you get up out of bed and then all of a sudden you have to put pressure and then force your feet to come back up, I'm, like, in pain every single morning. So my RF factor is, is getting higher as, you know, every year. And it's something that I always kind of, am concerned with and I always try to flex my feet because it is very see it, you only have 20 degrees here so this is not a lot of motion but you need your ankle to move to do a whole bunch of everything else that you you need to move to, to do and one of them is walking and stairs so if you yep. cannot move your ankle up seven degrees you cannot walk properly and that is very common as we age so that is a muscle that we have to always strengthen and the opposite muscle is your calf and that is the one that we always have to stretch so we always do calf stretches for this reason so that you can get the additional mobility some people's feet are like negative for their ankles and that is really detrimental because they can't squat properly they can't squat safely and they can't walk safely all right let alone walk up and down stairs okay now we remember we talked about the seven basic movement patterns right 
what we want to do is layer on what we learned last week about posture and kinetic chain for safety and balance. So we do all of those seven movements and we layer on the kinetic chain that will keep those movements safe. Yes, everybody's sitting up nice and straight. I like it. <laughs> all right. So number one is squat. We want to keep our heels on the ground. Remember we were talking about um, with the ankle. So you want to make sure your heels are on the ground. Your knees are behind your toes. Now your hips don't have to be below parallel. You don't have to break the plane. But you do have to have natural arch. Keep your chest up. Focus. Your head is nice and straight in line with your spine and your neutral line spine, right? So we don't want to bend forward too much. You don't want your hips to be up too high. You don't want your chest to be facing down. You want your chest to be up. Now, if you are to widen your feet, it, your feet don't always have to be forward. They can be to the side 45 degrees. Now, more than 45 degrees is not normal range of motion, and it's not as safe for your knees. So it's either forward or slightly curved to the side, depending on what feels comfortable to you. But if you go your feet to your side and you widen your feet, it actually is a little safer for you to now break the plane of your hips. So if you're going to go into a deep squat, I recommend that you keep your feet 45 degrees to the side. So if you're going to lift, go down and lift, lift something off the floor, don't do it straight. Widen your feet, put them on either side of the object, and then pull up with your hips. Okay. Next one, lunge. Now we lunge forward to, you know, like play with our dog or push uh, at a door. We wanna make sure we lunge um, a lot in classes. Forward lunges are more dangerous or less safe than backward lunges. So if you were to lunge and practice lunging, because lunges are great for your butt, for your um, glutes, for your hamstrings, and your quads. And all of those are really important for us to learn how to sit and get up off the chair, right? So those are really great, great muscles to work out. And lunges are amazing at that. But if you are not doing it safely, you can hurt your ankle, you can hurt your knees, you can hurt your hips really badly. So what we want to do is try to think of lunges as an elevator. So you're going straight up and down. You're not going to lean forward or back with your lunges. So the, the way that I teach it in class is you're a little Egyptian man, like little triangle legs, right? Right? And then, then you bend both knees, and then you go down and up. Yeah, try it, Beverly. I'm going to try it, too. Yeah, try it, Dor. Now, if you come to class and I can see you, I'll make sure to correct you. If you need to and you cannot do it properly, it doesn't have to be deep. You can always go into that motion more and more as you are exercising. But you can always feel free to hold on to two things like chairs. Now, if you hold on to the opposite side, it'll make balance easier. So if you hold on to the same side, it's not, you're pushing a little bit more, so it's not as balanced. So you want to hold on to the opposite side. So if your right foot is forward 
and you want to hold on with your left hand, okay? Not a rocking chair door. <laughs> the other thing you can use is if you have broomstick handles, you can have two dowels next to you. And those are really good because they, they move, but they give you some sort of stability. So like ski poles or something like that, you know, why when, when cross-country skiers. So those are actually really good for in giving you a prop, but also forcing your core to work. So that's a really good one to practice at home. You can do this um, at the kitchen counter when you are cooking. And uh, instead of just standing there, you can actually do uh, squats or uh, lunges. And then I like doing it at the counter because you know what? It forces your knee not to go past your toe. Look at you, Dave. Elevators. Now, head and shoulders up. There you go. So we want to make sure we have that line. Here we go. That line from head all the way through. And it would be better if this guy's knee was here. It was actually hard to find really good pictures that didn't have mistakes in it. But we want to try to get the knee back down here because guess what? It'll help us from getting up off the floor. Okay, next one. Push and pulls. Now, the push-up actually does a push and a pull. So depending on where you're pushing, if it's going up, out, down, or out, it uses different muscles, right? Now, the thing is always to think about your kinetic chain. Your feet, ankles, knees, same direction, right? Always engage the core. Always squeeze your butt. Head, shoulders, chin, um, hips, all level. So we don't want to be twisted. We don't want to be lopsided right? So nice and even. So we want to check to make sure it is even. So we can do push-ups um, at an incline. We can even do this push-ups up against the wall. That is the easiest. You can do it up against the chair. That's a little harder. You can do it down on your knees. That's a little harder than that. Or you can do it full extension out um, on your elbows. Or you can go up to a standing plank. Right? So those are all different levels of activity that you can do depending on how you feel that day. Now, what's not, um, not negotiable is the straight line from your head through to your knees. Yes, we want to make sure we keep this nice straight line. None of this sticking up the butt. Definitely do not curve your shoulders. That will hurt your back really bad. So we want to make nice long line. Now some people with big booties, they're lucky. But you want to make sure you're drawing in your abs really tight and you want to have a heavy weight hanging from your hips. So you're imagining a big sharp spike underneath your belly button to force your belly button in and then a weight hanging down off your hips. And that'll keep you in good alignment. The other thing is if you're pushing, we don't want to push with our elbows out and our shoulders out. Because guess what? It's impinging that shoulder movement. So we want to make sure our shoulders are 
down and elbows are down and we are pushing this way or pushing this way. Yeah? So it's bad for photos, but good for form. All right. Next one. <sighs> bending. So bending always, always, if you're bending forward, make sure your back is not rounded. This will hurt your back really, really quick, especially if you're holding any sort of weights. So you want to make sure you have a nice line from your head through your butt, that your hip is what's bending, not your shoulders, not your waist, not your neck. Your knees are going to be behind your toes. Your arms are in this nice straight line over your toes. We're not leaning too far over, but we're going to be in this nice angle. And the weight is in your heels. Okay? Twisting. So if you notice, all of these twisting is at the waist. Remember we were cleaning that plane of glass? Yes. So we want to make sure we create spaces between our shoulders and our hips for our body to twist. So anytime we twist, we want to elongate. Why you make that face, Joe? What happened? No, 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 I can't hear you. I had a cramp in my back after class, that's all. All right. Over here. Now, cramps really happen easily because you know what? Twisting is the third level of movement. The first level, the walking, the forward and back, we do that every day, all day. So our body is used to this motion. Side is a little harder because we don't go side often, we don't go backwards often, and we also don't twist as often. So if you're gonna be twisting, you really have to be careful not to yank it around or twist it around and really tighten those abs. So you're lifting that heart and then twisting. So then you are really using those muscles to twist. We can also do lateral flexion side to side, yeah? Okay. Let's get yourselves going. Last one is walking. We talked about that last week. You really always want to engage your core, squeeze your butt, hips, shoulders, knees, feet all in line. You're swinging your opposite hand with your uh, right arm, left hand, I'm sorry, left hand, right leg, and then switch, right? So you're going to do like a robot man, and it is the opposite. It is the opposite leg. Okay. We also try to want to walk heel to toe to lessen the impact of the movement. Now, if you think about it, we think that walking is in the frontal, I'm sorry, in the sagittal plane, right? We don't think of it as being in the frontal plane, going side to side because we're going, we're going from A to B, right? Straight. But it actually is our whole entire body is moving in every single plane. So when we move our arms, guess what? Our waist is bending. So it's twisting. We're doing that third plane, the road transverse plane. Our hips are going side to side. And, and our knees and our, our elbows are going forward and back. So we actually are using our whole entire body 
to keep ourselves balanced and controlled. So that is very important instead of just shuffling our feet to really walk with our whole body so that we can do it longer. Okay. All right. Now, muscle memory. Everybody raise your right hand. Can we raise our right hand? Raise our right hand. Now, that took us like 10 seconds to do that. Now, if I had you guys go, raise your, raise your left hand, raise your left hand, and I'm showing you, raise your left hand, raise your left hand. Now, put them down. Raise your left hand. Two seconds. Right? Because we, the first time we have to do it, our brain is going all over. But the sec, you know, second, third, fourth time that we do it, it, our brain just builds a synapse and then jumps to it. So it is much quicker. So this is why we always have to practice motions so that our body knows to do them and we train it to do it safely. Okay. Now, <laughs> I couldn't believe I didn't have any other logos besides this uh, beer logo, <laughs> this coffee stout logo, but we have to get up to get down, right? But actually, no, we need to learn how to get down. Yes, no, we have to get up, learn how to get up before we can get down. Okay. Now, the reason is because there's so many considerations. We have hips, knees, ankles. Our bodies get all sorts of lazy. So it is really important for us to learn how to get up first properly. There is a variety of different ways. And we want to practice a variety of different ways so that we know which one works best with our body and we have options. So if one doesn't work, then we can go to the next one. The one with the most mobility when we're talking about testing, this is the test, is to cross your ankles and then push yourself up without touching anything. And if you can do that, that, is, that means you are the best you can be flexible young kid, right? Yeah, now, <laughs> that ain't happening, right? So what we can do is we can push with our hand, we can push with our knee, we can push with our forearm. We can put one hand on our, our thighs or our knees. Now, we never push down on a straight, extended knee, right? Knees have to be bent if we're putting any pressure on that knee. Side of the leg with pushing up against the floor. So those are all different methods that we can help ourselves get up off the floor. Um, this Alexander method is you swing your legs to your side. You turn yourself so you're on your forearms, like yeah. a tabletop. You push with one hand and get up to your knee with your other hand. The other hand is supported on your knee. Then you push yourself up off your knee and then both legs together. Now, if you're really in a bad shape and you cannot get up off the floor, use an aid, use a chair. Roll to your side, crawl over to a chair, push up on the chair, and get yourself up. It is okay to use aids because if you are not functional, yay! If you're not functional and cannot get up, have something help you get up. That's what it's for, right? So it's okay to use a chair 
or another prop to help you learn and get your body strong to the point where it can do more things. All right, now that we know how to get up, we can do the reverse of the Alexander, this one, to get down, go down to one knee, push down with one arm, put one leg out so you're moving one thing at a time. So it's one leg, one, one arm, the other leg, both then hips, then down to the ground. Or I did find a really uh, good article, um, a YouTube video, which I will share the link with you. Um, I don't know if this is going to work. It was working earlier, but it's not working now. Oh, here it is. I'm just going to show you the really quick beginning. It's the spiral. So you do a twisting motion and then get up. This will require practice to teach yourself how to do this. You can do it off a chair by falling and then twisting and turning. And she does a very good job of explaining everything. The other thing I really, um, if you have knee issues with this twisting one, is to extend the bad knee. Are you okay, Dor? Twist to yourself sitting? No, my neck hurts. <laughs> it's okay, I'm fine. Try to keep your head like I'm pushing you in your face. Chin like that. There you go. It's not really pretty for your, your, your neck, but I mean uh, your chin, but it is better for your neck. So the other thing is these like sit, uh, hip sits. So if you want to practice this motion for your hips to sit down in that spiral motion, you can push against the wall and then take the opposite leg and then push it across your leg across. So you're going to move your legs in this opposite motion while you're holding up yourself up against the wall. And that will increase mobility in your hips. So you can practice the way that she does it, but with one leg extended as you turn. So that is another option if you do have a weaker leg to, to try to teach yourself to do that. This takes work. This is not something you're used to doing. So you have to teach your body how to do it. Okay. Standing. We talked about standing last week a lot, so I'm not going to go for very um, short, um, but we want to make sure that your knees are not locked. So if you're cooking or talking on the phone, fix your position. We don't realize how much we're standing. So if, you know, if you're standing getting your mail, Fix your feet, fix your knees, fix your hips, fix your shoulders. Engage your abs. Always squeeze those abs. Squeeze your butt. Sit to stand. We always get up and down, but if we can do it safely, we can do it much longer and better. So when you want to scoot to the edge of the chair, bring your knees over your toes, Lean forward, but look front. Don't look down. Because if you look down, your head's going to go downwards. So you want to look front. And then push. If you want to use your arms, you can push off with your arms or just really engage your abs and push with your 
thighs your, um, and your butt. Yes, good. Abs are tight. So now, when we're going down, it's hard. You it's hard to really slow before you sit, right? That is your glutes and your thighs. So they work together. One is reverse. One helps you get up, one helps you get down, right? But they're both needed. Yes. So now one might be okay, but we try doing five. We try doing 10. And that really will then build up those muscles. You feel it in your butt, Dara? Right? It's in that butt, right? So when you're going down, we're really engaging our abs to keep our, our, um, our back back support it and our core support it and when we're coming up really squeeze those butt cheeks when you're coming up squeeze the butt cheeks when you're going down squeeze your abs does that make a difference squeeze the butt cheeks and squeeze the abs yes good all right so the slower that you can get yourself into the chair the harder it is when we're talking about that range of motion the swing versus the dropping right having the control of that motion, that's where you really work your muscles. Good job, you guys. Sitting. You guys doing a very good job sitting. Um, crossing of legs, crossing of your knees. Those are all really hard things to control, but those are actually not good for you because they pull your joints out of alignment. So you're making your knees go into the non forward and back and your hips right one more than the other because you always feel more comfortable sitting cross one leg versus the other way right we always have that so try to sit with your feet flat on the ground again like Dora like we were saying like somebody's pushing you right in your face right sit back like that so then your chest is up Engage the abs, shoulders down, elbows close to your body. Now drop your shoulders a little bit, Joe. Try to create, no, don't let it all loose. But you're trying to, you're trying to create spaces between your ears and your shoulders. You're trying to create spaces between your chest and your hips. And to do that, you have to lengthen. So long, long and lean is what's going to get you to be safer. So now, um, door, sometimes you need to put things, although it's not so cool, you need to put a couple books underneath your iPad or your computer to make it up so that you're not tilting your head down and looking, you know, at, a, at an angle. Because what happens is our eyes want to look level. Our, our ears have you know equilibrium inside of the ears so if they're not level our balance is off right so our body naturally wants to force our head into this flat level position but if there's another imbalance because the rest of our body is in the wrong position now our neck is twisted we're gonna have all sorts of other issues so it's really important because we sit a lot the other thing is to try to bring things up to your chest and not to put your head down lower than your heart. So we want to make sure we bring knees up instead of bending over. Okay, lifting. It's basically a, 
a spend and a squat, right? So we want to protect our knees, we want to protect our spine. Very, very important. If it's a, a heavy object and it's low on the ground where we have to go all the way to the ground to pick it up, widen your feet and keep them out 45 degrees. So whatever feels comfortable for you, feel free to adjust your body. Don't just heft things up. And then also we're lifting with our hips and not with our arms. We're not strong arming it up because then that'll hurt our shoulders. Okay. <clears throat> Pushing overhead. Gotta get through this. Oh my goodness. Wrists, very important, nice and strong. No, no wrists being, so you wanna make sure our wrists are strong to push and not um, pushing. Talking about our elbows, nice and straight. Our feet, nice and straight and sturdy. And then our back, nice and straight. Yeah, no leaning backwards, forwards, whatever. Okay. Getting in and out of the car. So this is a little, don't make you feel like you're an old person to do this. Because if you need to do this, so that you can get in and out of your car longer, do it, all right? It's okay. So um, if you have hip issues, this is a big one, never step into the car. Always drop your bottom into the car. So, you know, as we age, we might need to learn how to do this movement. You have to get on the rail. What happened? Oh, we were just talking about if you had a large SUV. So that you could ease your into it and you don't have to drop. Right. Yeah. So, yes, if you have an SUV, it's a much easier than if you have a low, low sedan. Don't be lazy. Abs are tight. Engage those abs. Squeeze the butt. Don't cross your legs. All right. The bed. It's really important when you're sitting on your bed that your feet can touch the floor. Because if you can't, you have a risk of falling. And as you get up out of the bed, if it's dark or something like that, you can risk falling and it's not worth it. So adjust your bed so that it is a good height for your legs, for your body. There's multiple ways to get out of bed, but if you have a bad hip or a bad knee, Always do that one last. So when you're going into a bed, you want to make sure you're not going onto your bad hip first. You always want to go to your good hip first and not put too much pressure on your bad hip. Does that make sense? Same thing with walking. If you're walking or climbing up a stair, you want to make sure you're putting your strong foot forward, the one that needs the most force to push it up and then stabilize and grab onto support, either you know, railing or whatever, table, and then pull up the weaker leg until it's stronger. So it's, it's fine to exercise this weaker leg, but you don't wanna pain it and put too much pressure on it. Okay, let's see. Sleeping, we talked about this before too, trying to keep that spine neutral. It's really, really important. Trying to keep the feet from being pointed too much. Um, trying to keep your hips from falling over one way or the other, right? Lastly, I couldn't 
talk about um, all of this with balance of mobility and flexibility without talking about falling. So one in four Americans, 65 and older, fall every year. Every 11 seconds, an older adult is treated in the emergency room for a fall. And every 19 minutes, an older adult can die from a fall or complications from a fall. So it is the leading cause of fatalities and most common cause of non-fatal trauma-related hospital admissions among seniors. So this is something that is a huge consideration as we age. So we want to do things like make sure we are keeping our areas clear of obstructions um, and being safe and really working our core and engaging our body mechanics to be nice and safe. Well, I almost did it. <laughs> Just want to tell you that practice makes progress. Don't worry about per pro uh, perfection. Just worry about progress. So if you're better than you were yesterday, then you're doing amazing. Um, what are your takeaways? Tell me. My knees don't bend. Your knees don't bend, so you have to go ask your doctor, like, what is causing that to not bend? Like, what is the... They bend, but they don't bend. Like, I'm sorry? They bend, but they don't bend like they did a year ago. When I go down on the floor, the way you do it, I fall over sometimes. So then we're, we're going to talk about um, trying to increase your mobility for your knees. So you should be doing stretches every day for your knees, right? You can just get... Pull your knees up to your chest, you know, lengthen. Next, flex your foot while you're doing it. It's a little harder to do it with your toes up towards your body. Um, and don't worry about the degrees right now, but if you don't keep stretching that band, it's not going to, it's just going to get frozen. So you need motion to increase, you know, movement. So if we do range of motion exercises, it's good for less stiffness, it's good for more flexibility, better posture, reduced risk of injuries, improved joint function. So you want to do range of motion exercises once or twice a day. So work all the different angles of your knees, make sure it is straight, forward and back, whatever way you're doing it, right? Whatever the exercises, you can only move your knee forward and back, like that. that's all you can do with your knee. But um, you have to make sure you're, you're bending it. Um, I got what a else? Anybody else? Yeah, I got a couple things. What, Dara? Um, I know when I tore my ACL. Yep. Um, the ACL is a bad one, but it's very uh, common. They were telling me that, well, first of all, I had to learn to sit and get up, and I had to use my core and s s squeeze my glutes. So that was... That was something that took several weeks to regain. So you talking about the, the sitting and, and raising motion brought that back. Um, the other thing is just last night we got into bed and mm -hmm. the, the sheet and everything was tucked and my, my feet were pointed and, and, you know, and because I was lying down, so I had to, take all that loose because 
it hurts. And I can imagine being in that position all night that you would really have a problem. But the, but the other thing was, I was always told to lead with the good knee or the good leg or the good hip to help the one that's not as exactly strong one first. Strong, yeah. So lead with the good it was my takeaway. Yes, yes. Bev, anything for you? Yeah, I thought that you're, um, you know, basically you're telling us to do these range of motion exercises on a regular basis was great. I mean, simple things like lunges and squats, like you just should do them. I, I know you I should just do them. Yes. I thought that was good. And then the other thing, which seems so obvious, but of course you don't think about it, is you were talking about the way that you're going to move. And that some move, you know, just in one direction, some move in multi directions. I, you just don't even think about that. So now I'm more aware of that. And then also getting up and down more slowly. Um, I thought it was also a good thing. Awesome, awesome, awesome. By you, Dave. I'm uh, looking forward to trying some range of motion exercises on a regular basis. Good for you. Awesome. That's awesome. Um, I'm trying to do more of them in class. I, you know what? I don't. I do do different mobility exercises, but I don't do full range for like legs. I do do that in senior uh, fitness class. Remember, we said hold on to the chair and then kick with the one leg. Yeah. So that would be like a range of motion exercises. But like rotating, we do that mm -hmm. um, with the hips, bringing our, our knee up um, mm -hmm. one at a time, things like that. All of those are really good exercises to have. Okay. Um, so check out the challenges. I am going to give you some of those as well. Um, Suze, how are you doing? I, I actually have learned my lesson. Um, I think it's, it's really good to um, do all, practice all of these things. Um, I, I used to do like um, functional training kind of things. And, you know, with, with COVID, I've kind of not been as routine about it. And so I did tweak my back because I was lifting a case of water and put it under the cart at Target. And then because the cart moved, you know, my, like I, it was just not stable. And so I've tweaked my back. So for the past week, I've been dealing with that. Um, but I, you know, gee, if I have been, had been keeping up with my, um, with my exercising, um, you know, perhaps that would not have happened. <laughs> right, right, so. right. Elaine, Absolutely. Yes. I think that everything you showed us was just wonderful. And it made me realize I should be doing this more. I mean, yes. I yeah. Exercises I have to do for my arm, but and for my back, but kind of puts everything in perspective. Yeah, I mean, like while we're cooking, when the pot's boiling, go to a different part of the the counter, hold on to the counter, and do some squats or do some lunges. You know, like why not? Or walk around the counter instead of just standing in place while you're talking on the phone. So there's all different things that we can do to just get ourselves more mobile. Mm -hmm. All right. So, well, thank you. Let me, I'm going to wrap up because uh, we can go into the challenges with us in the breakout rooms later. But uh, anybody who's listening in, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate you guys for being here with me. I really enjoy um, giving these because I want to keep people safer, especially if they're just home and they're being less mobile. So this is something that we can all do at home. And... Um, 
we need to just pay attention because if we don't know, we won't do it, right? So uh, join me next week. We'll talk about you guys, since you guys are here, get to talk to me about what you want to learn for next week. And um, as always, these are always free. If you want to donate, happy to. Thank you, everybody who donated. Um, and uh, attendees, stay with me for um, 